This week on the internet, I, I saw a, a little picture of uh, three women, supposed to be uh, two women and, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and they're riding their little donkeys. And uh, on the back of the other donkeys, one had a little bumper sticker on the back of a donkey, if you can imagine. And it said, you know, like, my son is an honor student. We've seen those. And another, the other donkey said, my son is a doctor. And then the little thing says, oh, if it isn't Mary. And her donkey says, my son is God. Um, I thought that was kind of cute, but it, it, it does kind of show us that if we just focus on the Holy Family, I think we do often times isolate them so much to say, well, we just can't be like them. I mean, Mary's immaculately conceived. Joseph is the greatest husband and father there ever was. And, and then there's Jesus, who is God. Like, okay, well, the Holy Family is great, but that's got nothing to do with me because look at my family. We are not the Holy Family. You know, and, and I think that's, that's true, that when we look at that, if we put the, the Holy Family up on such a pedestal like that, well, of course, we can never live up to it. And, you know, with all the other saints, we, we tend to want to see them as people like us. They're just like us, and we can be a great saint too. But the Holy Family looks like it's so unattainable. I think part of the problem is, I mean, I love our little Christmas manger scene here, but I mean, that's, that's a, a snapshot in time. I mean, look, we, we've got Mary and Joseph, and they're just calm and peaceful and lovingly looking on the child Jesus, who probably never needed his diapers changed. And there's just a little sheep there who is just happy, and the ox isn't using the bathroom in the manger or smelling things up or anything. He's just a happy little ox and a donkey, and... It's just all so beautiful. And that, okay, if it was ever like that, it, it was for a minute. And then we hear today, get up, flee, go to Egypt. Like that little silent night, holy night thing, it, it didn't last very long. It reminds me of like those family pictures you see this time of year on Christmas cards and on Facebook. I, I saw one of these being taken the other day where the photographer was trying to take the family picture. It was a disaster. Kids are running everywhere. They're throwing stuff. Brothers beating up their sister. They can't keep everything together. They're yelling at each other. The family's getting so mad at each other because we have to take the family picture. And finally, like, the, the photographer's trying to get it all together and is taking, like, 800 pictures. And you get to see on your little Christmas card the one where it, like, all stops for a minute. Or maybe they had to like Photoshop in parts of 800 different pictures to make it look like everyone was happy all at once. But what do you see? You see like the one picture on Facebook and you're like, oh man, I wish our family was like theirs. You know, I'd like to see the video that led to that family picture, quite frankly. Because all of our families, like they're just messed up. You know, Paul is here talking about, oh, it's it's wonderful for families to be together. We'll just, we'll all sit around and I know what we'll do. We'll sing a, a spiritual song to God in our hearts and give thanks for how happy we are as a family. I don't know about what your Christmas looked like, but I've experienced it where there's stuff flying around. People are mad. The kids are hitting each other. There's food on the wall, food on the floor. Presents are everywhere. And nobody seems to be very quiet or happy. Uh, that seems more typical of the family Christmas. So what's the deal here? Well, I, I think we tend to think we know the Christmas story, and we, we boil it down to this manger scene, 
where it's just all peaceful and happy. But that was really not the, the life of the Holy Family. They, I had it rough. I mean, that happened, and, and then God says, you know, it's time to flee. Uh, this little baby that looks so nice, yeah, Herod wants to kill him and you. So you're going to have to flee for your life. Like, now, get up, go. If I, if I were Joseph, I would be like, okay, God, this is getting ridiculous. I don't want to go to sleep because every time I go to sleep, I have a dream and the angel of the Lord appears to me and says, my life is about to get complicated again. I would just stay awake if I were Joseph, you know? First of all, he's told, okay, he's, his wife is pregnant and it's not his baby. But he, he gets his head wrapped around that and okay. And then he's like, okay, um, yeah, you don't even get to like, give birth at home. You got to go to Bethlehem, like 70 miles away. And, and then, oh, by the way, yeah, there's no place for you to stay. So, like, Jesus has to be born in a cave. And he gets put in a little manger. Isn't that sweet? No, that's a little feeding trough for animals. I mean, donkey would have looked at the manger and said, hey, there's a baby in our salad. You know, it's just not, it seems like it's so unprepared for. Like, if I were Joseph, I'd be like, come on, I've done everything you wanted. And this is the best you can do. We've got a manger. He's like, oh, yeah, about that, Joseph. Yeah, you're going to have to even leave the manger and, like, go into exile. But don't worry, I'll tell you when it's safe. They just head off to Egypt. And, like, a couple years later, hey, Joseph, it's safe. Come back. Oh, wait, not that safe. Don't go there. Uh, Go up to Nazareth. And then, in today's gospel, Matthew is is so peaceful about it. He's like, yeah, that, that flight into Egypt thing, well, that was to fulfill Scripture. Ah, out of Egypt, I called my son. See, it's, prof- it's prophesied, so it all makes sense. And then when it's time to come back, oh, yeah, it's not safe for you to live right there, so go to Nazareth. And Matthew says, ah, that's because the scripture says he will be called a Nazarene. Well, those prophecies all make sense, kind of looking back. You can find it in scripture and say, oh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I seriously doubt, as Joseph was fleeing for his life, that he was thinking, ah, it's all cool. I, this is in scripture. It's good. We'll go to Egypt because, you know, it says in scripture, out of Egypt, I called my son. So it just makes sense. I don't think so. I think Joseph was probably thinking, what the heck, God? I, you're crazy, but I'll do it. I think it's good for us to maybe have a more realistic image of the Holy Family because it helps us maybe have a more realistic patience with our own family. How many times people come to me and say, Father Sean, our family is just a mess. I wish we were like that other family. And then that family comes in and says, oh, Father Sean, our family's a mess. I wish I was like that family. And believe me, I I hear all the confessions. I get to know the Everybody's just a mess, okay? We can just get that out of the way and say it. We're, We're just all a mess. And the Holy Family itself, as good as it was, it was not perfect either. But there is a sense in which we can look at these passages of Scripture And what do they tell us? Well, they they tell us that God is ultimately faithful. Did he have a plan in in allowing Jesus to be exiled to Egypt? Yes. Same way he had a plan when he allowed Israel to be exiled to Egypt, and later he sent Moses as a great deliverer and led them out into the promised land. Yes, God had a plan. Did it make sense at the time? Probably not. Did it make sense that they were going to have to go live in Nazareth? Well, maybe. It makes sense now. We can point back and say, this is why. But what about us who live right in the middle of it? 
amidst all the, the pain and difficulties and the messiness of our families, well, maybe we can't go right to Scripture and say, aha, this is what gives it all meaning. But, I mean, there, there are Scripture passages. Like Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, well, then people are going to hate you. In fact, your family will be messed up if you follow me. Father will turn against mother-in-law, and mother-in-law against father-in-law, and daughter-in-law against father and a father will hate his son. And a, yeah, we read that stuff, and we're like, yeah, 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 whatever. Tell me more about how God loves us all. But then he says, like, well, you know, greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for his friends. If you are my followers, Jesus says, it will leave to you giving witness, literally martyrdom for me. If you follow me, everyone will hate you because of my name. That's all in Scripture, too. Uh, and we tend to kind of gloss over those ones. I say that not because life should somehow always be a drudgery or that we should live our life in constant flight, but that ultimately the Scripture passages that tell us, behold, there is coming a new heavens and a new earth when every tear will be wiped away. Behold, I go to prepare a place for you and I will come back and bring you to myself. We need to look at those passages, especially when things are rough, when we can't even get the one snapshot in time to put on our Christmas card. I like the ones when families send it out and it's just a mess on their Christmas card. Like, yeah, I, I can relate to that family. So today, wherever you're at, let's, uh, let's not panic. Let's not get upset. Let's certainly not compare ourselves to the Holy Family or even compare ourselves to any other family because it's all a mess. And the good news is that that's why Jesus came. If there's one lasting message from our scripture today that we can take from it, it's that God is faithful. Yes, out of Egypt I called my son. Did he fulfill that? Yes, he did. Eventually, in a weird sort of way that probably Joseph didn't understand. Was he called a Nazarene? Yes, because he had to flee for his life. It wasn't safe. But was God faithful? Yes. God promised he would send a savior, did he? Yes, he was faithful. Did he even promise through the prophet Isaiah that his servant would suffer and die and be cast out? Yeah, yeah, he said that too. And was he faithful? Yes. Did he promise us that if you're my followers, it will not be easy, there, there'll be suffering? Yeah, yeah, he did. But he also promised that I will be with you. Is he? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's faithful. And he promised us that no servant is greater than his master. So if this is what they do to the, the master, what will they do to you? Is he faithful to that? Yeah, yeah, he is. That doesn't feel so good. But he also tells us that it is written that one who lays down his life will take it up again. Did Jesus do that? Yes, he did. He says that on the third day, I will rise again. Did he do that? Yes, he did. He is faithful and he promises us that if you follow after me, you will have joy in this life and have it abundantly. Will he be faithful to that? Yes, he will. And most especially, he says that where I am going, you also may go. And I will come back to you and bring you to myself and take away the pain and suffering that you have endured in this life. And you will have joy forever. Will God be faithful to that? Yes, he will. Because ultimately, he tells us that we are his sons and daughters and that out of the misery of this world, he has called us. We will be called Christians, for we will follow after Christ, the anointed one. And all the promises that God has made in scripture, will he be faithful? 
Yes, he will. And that's the ultimate message, I think, that we can take from today's feast and these readings. Not that everything is all silent night and joy to the world, but that God has promised all kinds of things. Will he do it? Yes, he will. Because his promises are always fulfilled. Most especially, he tells us, you are my beloved sons and daughters. I will be faithful because you are my holy family.